0: Section 35 of Elia and the Last Essays of Elia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arden. Elia and the Last Essays of Elia by Charles Lamb. Detached Thoughts on Books and Reading To mind the inside of a book is to entertain oneself with the forced product of another man's brain. Now I think a man of quality and breeding may be much amused with the natural sprouts of his own, Lord Foppington and the Relapse. An ingenious acquaintance of my own was so much struck with this bright sally of his lordship that he has left off reading altogether to the great improvement of his originality. At the hazard of losing some credit on, it, on this head, I must confess that I dedicate no in- inconsiderable portion of my time to other people's thoughts. I dream away my life in other speculations. I love to lose myself in other men's minds. When I am not walking, I am reading.
1: I cannot sit and
0: think. Books think for me. I have no repugnances. Shaftesbury is not too genteel for me, nor Jonathan Wilde too low. I can read anything which I call a book. There are things in that shape which I cannot allow for such. In this catalog of books, which are no books, Biblia a Biblia. I reckon court calendars, directories, pocket books, draught boards, bound and lettered at the back, scientific treatises, almanacs, statutes at large, the works of Hume, Gibbon, robertson Beatty, Some Jennings, and generally all those volumes which no gentleman's library should be without, the histories of Flavin's Josephus, that learned Jew, and Paley's moral philosophy. With these exceptions, I can read almost anything I bless my stars for a taste so Catholic, so unexcluding. I confess that it moves my spleen to see these things in books' clothing perched upon shelves, like false saints, usurpers of true shrines, intruders into the sanctuary, thrusting out the legitimate occupants. To reach down a well-bound semblance of a volume, and hope it is some kind-hearted playbook, then opening what seem its leaves, to come bolt upon a withering population essay, to expect a Steele or a Farquhar and find Adam Smith, to view a well-arranged assortment of block-headed encyclopedias, Anglicanus or Metropolitanus, set out in an array of Russia or Morocco, when a tithe of that good leather would comfortably reclothe my shivering folios, would renovate Persasus himself, and enable old Raymond Lully to look like himself again in the world. I never see these impostors, but I long to strip them, to warm my ragged veterans in their spoils. To be strong-backed and neat-bound is the desideratum of a volume. Magnificence comes after. This, when it can be afforded, is not to be lavished upon all kinds of books indiscriminately. I would not dress a set of magazines, for instance, in a full suit. The dishabille, or half-bounding, but Russia backs ever. Is our costume a Shakespeare or a Milton, unless the first editions? It were mere foppery to trek out in gay apparel. The possession of them confers no distinction. The exterior of them, the things themselves being so common, strange to say, raises no sweet emotions, no tickling sense of property in the owner. Thomson's Seasons, again, looks best, I maintain it, a little torn and dog's eared. How beautiful to a genuine lover of reading! or the sullied leaves, and worn-out appearance, nay, the very odor, beyond Russia, if we would not forget kind feelings and fastidiousness of an old circulating library, Tom Jones, or Vicar of Wakefield, how they speak of the thousand thumbs that have turned over their pages with delight, or the lone sempstress whom they may have cheered, milliner or harder-working Mantua maker, after her long day's needle toil, running far into midnight, when she has snatched an hour ill spared from sleep to steep her cares as in some lathian cup and spelling out their enchanting contents who would have them a whit less soiled what better condition could we desire to see them in in some respects the better a book is the less it demands from binding fielding smollett stern and all that class perpetually self-reproductive volumes great nature stereotypes we see them individually perish with less regret, because we know the copies of them to be eternal. But where book is at once both good and rare, where the individual is almost a species, and when that perishes, we know not where is that Promethean torch that can its light re Such a book, for instance, is the life of the Duke of Newcastle by his Duchess. No casket is rich enough, no casing sufficiently durable, to honor and keep safe such a jewel. Not only rare volumes of this description, which seem hopeless ever to be reprinted, but old editions of writers such as Sir Philip Sidney, Bishop Taylor, Milton, and his prose works, Fuller, of whom we have reprints, yet the books themselves, though they go about and are talked of here and there, we know have not and themselves, nor possibly ever will, in the national heart, so as to become stock books. It is good to possess these in durable and costly covers. I do not care for a first folio of Shakespeare. I rather prefer the common editions of Rao and Thompson, without notes, and with plates, which being so execrably serve as maps, or modest remembrancers to the text, and without pretending to any supposable emulation with it, are so much better than the Shakespeare Gallery engravings, which did. I have a community of feeling with my countrymen about his plays, and I like those editions of them best, which have been oftenest tumbled about and handled. On the contrary, I cannot read Beaumont and Fletcher but in folio. The Ottavo editions are painful to look at. I have no sympathy with them. If they were as much read as the current editions of the other poet, I should prefer them in that shape to the older one. I do not know a more heartless sight than the reprint of the Anatomy of Melancholy. What need was there of unearthing the bones of that fantastic old great man to expose them in a winding-sheet of the newest fashion to modern censure? What hapless stationer could dream of Burton ever becoming popular? The wretched Malone could not do worse when he bribed the sexton of Stratford Church to let him whitewash the painted effigy of old Shakespeare, which stood there in rude but lively fashion depicted to the very color of the cheek, the eye, the eyebrow, the hair, the very dress he used to wear. The only authentic testimony we had, however imperfect, of these curious parts and parcels of him. They covered him over with a coat of white paint By, blank, if I had been a justice of peace for Warwickshire, I would have clapped both commentator and sexton fast in the stocks for a pair of meddling sacrilegious varlets. I think I see them at their work, these sapient troubled tombs. Shall I be thought fantastical, if I confess that the names of some of our poets sound sweeter and have a finer relish to the ear, to mine at least, than that of Milton or of Shakespeare? It may be. That the latter are more stale than wrung upon in common discourse, the sweetest names, and which carry a perfume in the mention, are Kit Marlowe, Drayton, Drummond of Hawthornden, and Calley. Much depends upon when and where you read a book, and the five or six impatient minutes before the dinner is quite ready, who would think of taking up the Fairy Queen for a stopgap or a volume of Bishop Andrew's sermons? Milton almost requires a solemn service of music to be played before you enter upon him, but he brings his music, to which who listens had need bring docile thoughts and purged ears. Winter evenings, the world shut out, with less of ceremony the gentle Shakespeare enters, as such a season, the tempest, or his own winter's tale. These two poets you cannot avoid reading aloud to yourself, or as it chances to some single person listening, more than one. Then it degenerates into an audience. Books of quick interest that hurry on for incidents are for the eye to glide over only. It will not do to read them out. I could never listen to even the better kind of modern novels without extreme irksomeness. A newspaper read out is intolerable. In some of the bank offices it is the custom, to save so much individual time, for one of the clerks, who is the best scholar, to commence upon the Times or the Chronicle and recite its entire contents aloud pro bono publico, With every advantage of lungs and elocution, the effect is singularly vapid, and shops and public houses a fellow will get up and spell out a paragraph which he communicates as some discovery. Another follows with his selection, so the entire journal transpires at length by piecemeal. Seldom readers are slow readers, and without this expedient, no one in the company would probably ever travel through the contents of a whole paper. Newspapers always excite curiosity. No one ever lays one down without a feeling of disappointment. What an eternal time that gentleman in black at Nando's keeps the paper. I am sick of hearing the waiter bawling out incessantly. The chronicle is in hand, sir. Coming into an inn at night, having ordered your supper, what can be more delightful than to find lying in the window seat? left their time out of mind by the carelessness of some former guest. Two or three numbers of the old town and country magazine, with its amusing tete-a-tete pictures, the royal lover and lady G, Blank, the melting platonic and the old beau, and such-like antiquated scandal. Would you exchange it, at that time and in that place, for a better book? Poor Tobin, who latterly fell blind, did not regret it so much for the weightier kinds of reading, the Paradise Lost or Comus, he could have read to him, but he missed the pleasure of skimming over with his own eye a magazine or a light pamphlet. I should not care to be caught in the serious avenues of some cathedral alone and reading Candide. I do not remember a more whimsical surprise than having been once detected by a familiar damsel, reclined at my ease upon the grass on Primrose Hill, Persevera, reading Pamela. There was nothing in the book to make a man seriously ashamed at the exposure. But as she seated herself down by me, and seemed determined to read in company, I could have wished it had been any other book. We read on very sociably for a few pages, and not finding the author much to her taste, she got up and went away. General Casuist, I leave it to thee, to conjecture, whether the blush, for there was one between us, is the property of the nymph, of the swain in this dilemma. From me, you shall never get the secret." I am not much a friend to out of doors reading. I cannot settle my spirits to it. I knew a Unitarian minister who was generally to be seen upon Snow Hill, as yet Skinner Street was not, between the hours of ten and eleven in the morning, studying a volume of Lardner. My own list would have been a strain of abstraction beyond my reach. I used to admire how he sidled along, keeping clear of secular contacts. An illiterate encounter with a porter's knot or a bread basket but have quickly put to flight all the theology i am master of and have left me worse than indifferent to the five points there is a class of street readers who i can never contemplate without a fashion the poor gentry who not having wherewithal to buy or hire a book filch a little learning at the open stalls the owner with his hard eye casting envious looks at them all the while and thinking when they will have done venturing tenderly page after page Expecting every moment when he shall interpose its inner interdict, and yet unable to deny themselves the gratification, they snatch a fearful joy. Modern B-blank, in this way, by daily fragments, got through two volumes of Clarissa. When the stallkeeper damped his laudable ambition, by asking him, it was in his younger days, whether he meant to purchase the work, M declares that under no circumstances of his life did he ever peruse a book with half the satisfaction which she took in those uneasy snatches, a quaint poetess of our day has moralized upon the subject into very touching but homely stanzas. I saw a boy with eager eye open a book upon a stall, and read as he devoured all, which when the stallman did espy, soon to the boy I heard him call, You, sir, you never buy a book, therefore in one you shall not look. The boy passed slowly on with a sigh, he wished he'd never had been taught to read. Then of the old Charles' books he should have had no need. Of sufferings the poor of many, which never can the rich annoy. I soon perceived another boy, who looked as if he'd not had any. Food for that day, at least, Enjoy The sight of cold meat in a tavern water. This boy's case then, thought I, is surely harder. Thus hungry longing, thus without a penny, Beholding choice of dainty, trust me. No wonder if he wish he ne'er had learned to eat. End of section 35 Recording by Arden